Welcome to episode 135 of the first 40 miles. If you're new to backpacking, or if you're hopelessly in love with someone who wants you to love backpacking, then this podcast is for you. We'll talk about the essentials, how to lighten your load, and how to make the most of your time on the trail. I'm your host, Heather Legler. And I'm Josh Legler. And this is The First 40 Miles. Today on The First 40 Miles, if you're planning your first backpacking trip, you may have some visions in your head about what it will be like. We'll help you prep for your dream trip. Then we'll share five things every backpacker should have in their car. For today's Summit Gear Review, a battery that can charge your cell phone and start your car. And we'll wrap up with a story from one of our listeners. All this and that's about it. Today on The First 40 Miles. Well, today's episode is inspired by a song that got stuck in my head from Rodgers and Hammerstein's musical, South Pacific. It's a song called Happy Talk, and the woman singing it says, You've got to have a dream. If you don't have a dream, how are you going to have a dream come true? And as I, as I kind of pondered these lyrics, I thought, wow, you know, if you're just kind of going directionless throughout life, how are you going to have any of these things that you don't even know that you want happen in your life? And with backpacking, if you don't even have a vision of those things that you want to experience on the trail, is it possible that you could go for years backpacking, never even knowing that you could be having these experiences? If you just think about it for a little while, what are those things that you're dreaming about experiencing on the trail? Maybe your dream is just to take that first step on the trail and kind of let the wilderness be your guide, you know, be a little more passive on that first trip. Or maybe you've been out backpacking and you want to experience specific things or reach certain goals. What if you're new to backpacking and all you're thinking of is how you're going to survive the trip, how you're going to survive not sleeping well, and how you're going to survive not having convenient access to food, how you're going to survive the weather. Aren't those kind of the negatives? You know, and I wouldn't say negatives, but those are the things that are survival-based. You know, they're the things that I would call it your day job while you're backpacking. You know, it's the most important thing. But everyone who has a day job also has this dream life, or I guess you could even call it a side hustle or, you know, these things that we do on the side, hobbies, other interests. So on the trail, while it's important to stay alive and have those basic needs taken care of, there is still infinite room for dreaming and planning and really getting the most out of your trip. And the dreams seem to elevate us above that survival level. And the survival level gets taken care of. You, you have to pay attention to it. You have to be prepared. But when you add the dream on top, there's something more inspiring about that. And it seems like you figure out the survival piece, but you get something more out of the experience. I think I experienced this when we first started car camping. And at first, our goal was just to get our family outside. And we went on several car camping trips. But then I started to dream. And I dreamt of a night without hearing semis roll past my tent. And I had that desire just like 
I've got to make this happen. How do I, how do I get to that next point? How do I experience peace while being outside? How do I get away? And that's what led me to backpacking. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Those first few car camping trips, you survived, you got by, but then you started to dream and you started to have goals. Um, there's that dream. You also dreamed about food and what you could do to be creative with cooking uh, on a camp out. And you were able to explore different meals that were really fun to put together. And, and just those dreams brought that new layer of fulfillment to something that was otherwise just sort of going through the motions, listening to the semis, eating the Pop-Tarts <laughs> and going home. And even if you don't have a trip planned right now, you can start delving into your dream trip and really planning things that you want to experience on your next or your first backpacking trip. What kinds of things do you want to see? Who do you want to be with? What kinds of activities would you like to include? What would you love to have happen? What do you want to learn? Are miles and accomplishments important? Or is just kind of basking in the aura of the forest more important to you? You know, you could even plan things like where do you want to set up your dream campsite? Do you want to be near water? near a ridge? Is wildlife viewing something that's important to you? And once you can kind of pinpoint these things that you want to experience, then you can start working toward it. So Heather, now that you have fulfilled your dream of sleeping in a place where there's no semis at night, <laughs> and you've done a lot with food and cooking on the trail, what are your dreams now? Well, thanks for asking. I think food is something that I still want to be an important part of my outdoor experience. So I'd like to experiment more with whole foods or, you know, clean eating while we're backpacking. Another thing that I've really been dreaming about is having a multi-day family backpacking trip. We've gone on a couple overnighters recently, and while those are rejuvenating, I think I need a couple more days out there. You know, you go through all the work of getting out there, setting up, and then to go home just a few hours later just seems kind of, uh, I don't know, it's not doing it for me. <laughs> yeah, I get that. Definitely. Yeah. So hopefully this summer we'll have one of those opportunities to get out for a few days and really unwind and really relax. Yeah. And then I think another part of my dream trip is being more creative in those downtimes on the trip where we've arrived in camp and I can sit and write and think. And that's something I've been able to do on past trips, but it's one of those recurring dreams. <laughs> How about you? Do you have things, elements of your dream trip that either have happened or haven't that you really would love to have happen? My current dream is really simple. I want to have an alpine experience. Ah. I want to get way up in the mountains where you're up about tree line, those small lakes that are just, they're either crystal clear or they're slightly blue or slightly green. Um, I want blue skies. A few puffy clouds would be fine <laughs> rolling through. And on top of that, I want warm. We need some warm. <laughs> yes. So high alpine where it's always cold, but I want it to be warm. That's, <laughs> that's my dream. I can dream, right? Right. Hey, I just thought of another dream that I had. I guess about a year ago, a friend told us about this really desolate place that she visited in Oregon. And jokingly, she said, hey, wouldn't this be a great place to backpack? 
And that really started my wheels turning. And I was like, I wonder what kind of experience you would have on that trail. I mean, it was just flat sand. There were like cracks in the sand. But what kinds of interesting things would happen to your mind and to your body while hiking that trail? Yeah, fascinating question. And what would you find that when you first get there, you think, wow, there is literally nothing here except a flat surface for the next 40 miles. But what would you find? Right. You would probably be ultra aware of plant life. Lichen on the ground, uh, little tiny insects, or even geometric patterns in the surface caused by the wind. Well, okay. Trip to Eastern Oregon it is. Yeah, I'll call it the most boring hike in the world, but I really have a feeling it's not going to be boring. I think it'll be the most fascinating hike in the world. Well, even if you're able to plan your dream trip and all of the elements of your dream happen, not every dream trip will be a dream trip. And even dream trips have parts that weren't part of your dream. But like the song says, you've got to have a dream because if you don't have a dream, how are you going to experience the things that you truly want to experience on your backpacking trip? For today's top five list, we'll share the top five things that you should keep in your car for a backpacking trip. We talk a lot about what goes on your back and how to make it super lightweight, super compact, multi-use, not bringing the things that you're not actually going to use. So that's all the stuff that goes on your back, and we talk about that a lot. But pay attention to your car as well. It's sort of this uh, reserve backup kit. And when you come back from your trip, your car can have resources in it that can you know, either compensate for some problem that you had on the trail or just make for a nice drive home. The first thing is a battery-powered massage chair. They make those. <laughs> the number one thing you want to keep in your car is extra water. This is something that you should always have in your car, whether you're a backpacker or not. Water is essential. Some trailheads are really sparse on resources, and so there may not even be any water at the trailhead. So having a little extra means that you can drink. You could even do a quick rinse of your face and hands, which feels amazing. And if you have enough water, I guess you could even kind of wash off the bottom of your shoes if they're muddy. The second thing that you'll want to keep in your car is instant food. Now, there's some really great options for this that go beyond the traditional granola bar or energy bar. Um, I think we've talked about oatmeals before on an episode. Oatmeals is non-dehydrated food that comes with a heating pouch. So it's a really heavy option on a backpacking trip because, one, it's not dehydrated, and two, it comes with that heat packet to reheat it. However... Weight is not such an issue in your car, and it can be a really convenient option for a warm meal that you stow in your car. Yeah, and so many great trailheads are so far away from resources like restaurants and grocery stores. So having that immediate food is so great. Um, there are other things that you can pick up at the grocery store that I think are meant more for kids. There are these foods that are in tubes. You know, you unscrew the cap you can squeeze out the food so it's baby food. But also they make the same type of thing for grown-ups. Monk pack is something that I found recently. It's like a quinoa fruit type thing that you squeeze into your mouth. So it doesn't need to be heated up. It can be eaten cold and you can eat it while you drive. 
Number three, you can keep cleanup towels in your car. This could be as simple as baby wipes. Great, just multi-use items for cleaning off your hands, uh, wiping your face. Uh, or you can go with those compressed towels, like the light load towels. Yeah, these things are amazing. They pack an entire towel into a hockey puck. I mean, it's like maybe five inches across and maybe weighs about five ounces. This is even something that you could take with you on the trail, although I would definitely stash one in the car. And those are great, especially when you come back really muddy or really dusty or really dirty and need to clean things off. And that's happened plenty of times to us. Oh, yes. There have been many trips where we wished we had brought towels on those trips. And some trails even have facilities where there are showers where you can take a shower for a few quarters and then the towel is really helpful. There was a place that we stayed in the Redwoods that had shower facilities. I don't think it's very common in, you know, backpacking remote locations to come back to a trailhead with showers, but it might be something that you just want to stash in your car and have just in case. And you might find a shower in a campground that may be just minutes drive away from the trailhead where you went backpacking. The number four post-trip thing that you should keep in your car is large garbage bags. And this is something that we talk about bringing on the trail as well, but they are just as important in your car. So garbage bags are great for muddy or dusty gear or for wet gear. Or if you happen to be muddy and wet, just take one of your large garbage bags and spread it on your seat. We also discovered something recently that's a great way to collect a big pile of dirty and muddy gear. And this is the Crazy Creek Drop Sack. It's a huge waterproof circle that has a cord laced around the outside. So you can dump all of your muddy, gross, wet, drippy gear right in the middle and then grab the cord and it makes a big cinch sack that contains your pile of gear. And this is something that you can just keep stashed in the car. Um, it could be used at home for gardening, picnics, toys, anything where you have a big pile of stuff that you just want to gather it all together quickly. And I think I've heard that the drop sack is really popular among rock climbers too. They usually have a big pile of stuff and so they like to be able to hoist it all really quickly and drag it off to their next climb, I guess. But yeah, the drop sack is a great option if you want something that you can use for multiple things. But even just having large garbage bags stuffed in the car is going to save your seats from, oh, whatever, whatever is stuck to you when you're, when you're coming off the trail. And the number five post-trip thing to keep in your car is a power bank or battery. Now, you might think, well, my car has a battery built into it. Duh. Well, what happens if that battery's dead? You've been out on a trip for a week and something got left on, a little light or something. You get back to the trailhead and your car is dead. So having a portable battery in your car that's sufficient to jumpstart the car is a great safety feature to have. Uh, on top of that, if it can also charge your devices to recharge your cell phone so you can make that phone call to get help or things like that, then that's a great bonus too. Yeah, we've become so dependent on technology that really power is so important. If you come back and your phone has died and the battery in your car has died, I don't even know what to do next. I guess you start <laughs> hiking out and uh, trying to wave people down, but that, that really puts you in a precarious situation. So having this power bank, either a simple power bank that can recharge your phone or a more powerful power bank that actually has the power to jumpstart your car, that can be really helpful. 
which leads us right into today's Summit Gear Review. For today's Summit Gear Review, we'll be reviewing the WeGo Battery Charger 44. Someone called this the Swiss Army Knife of battery chargers. Yeah, if you look on the back side of it, it has like a whole bunch of things that you can plug into it to extract juice or... <laughs> life from this charger. So it's something you could take with you on the trail. It's definitely a multi-use item. You can use it to charge all your devices on the trail, or you could leave it in your car as an emergency charger to restart your car battery if your car has died. For structure, the WeGo 44 charger comes packaged in a lunch pail. It's kind of cute. It's got like a kind of a map design yeah. on the outside of the pail. and Kind of retro looking. But you don't have to use the lunch pail. It might be a convenient way to stow it in your car. Uh, but it also has a soft, durable, zippered pouch. So you can put the WeGo and the accessory cords all inside that pouch and just store it that way. The WeGo is IP65 certified for water, dust, and dirt resistance. I think there's a couple levels higher on that certification scale, right? So this will be fairly resistant to those things not completely. So you're not going to immerse this in water. Probably a good idea. And it includes a built-in really bright flashlight. It's 500 lumens. And because this is such a high capacity battery, that flashlight will last for 14 hours on high. Or if you put it into SOS or strobe modes, you'll get 28 hours out of the flashlight. And the WeGo also comes with chargers to charge it, both a wall charger so you can charge it at home and a car charger so you can charge it from your car before your battery dies, of course. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For utility, the WeGo Battery Charger 44 can jumpstart cars, trucks, boats, motorcycles, ATVs, UTVs, and anything with a 7-liter gas or a 3.5-liter diesel engine. Or smaller. Or smaller, I should say that, yeah. Um, and then they have something really cool called Smarty Clamps that come with this charger. And they are the smart version of jumper cable clamps. So if you have never used jumper cables before, or even if the idea terrifies you, then this is a really great option because it walks you through the process and ensures that you don't blow up your car or set fire to the parking lot or all of those fears that you might have with jump starting. So the Smarty Clamps have this uh, indicator box built into the wires. So if you put the clamps on backwards on the battery, you know, you put red to black and black to red, then this indicator will warn you of that with sight and sound. Then you can switch the clamps around. Once you get it right, it'll light up green, indicating that you're ready to jumpstart the car. This battery also has a USB charging port, so you can charge all of your portable devices. There's also a 19-volt port for laptop charging and a 12-volt port for powering things like air compressors or fans if you wanted to take those car camping. And to use either of those ports, you need to buy some accessory cables from WeGo. You can charge your WeGo battery charger at home, and it also comes with a power port lighter. What do we call them now that we, no one smokes? It's, do you call it a power port? I think I've seen that on some cars. Okay. It has a way for you to charge the WeGo using that round power port thing in your car. And then the WeGo battery charger also has something called the Detect-O-Matic, which anything <laughs> O-Matic is just adorable. But it's a super quick way that it senses how much of a charge your device will take, and it will charge it at the fastest speed possible. 
And it was interesting because when we plugged my phone into it, which is newer than yours, it only gave 0.4 amps to my phone. But when we plugged yours in, it gave about an amp. I don't know why the difference, but your phone is going to take a charge a lot faster than mine uh, off of the WeGo or, or probably anything else, I guess. So as far as mass goes, the WeGo Battery Charger 44, with all its peripheral gear and cords and instruction sheet and the clamps that you can use to jumpstart your car, all of that weighs three pounds, three ounces. But if you look at just what you might use on the trail, which is the charger itself, along with whatever cord you would need to charge your device, that weighs one pound, two ounces. Yeah, this thing looks like it would charge a whole bunch of cell phones for a long time. Um, but I'm checking the specs here and it says it has a capacity of 41 watt hours. And so I'm comparing that to some other battery chargers that we have. We have a core third battery charger that's about six inches by three inches by about a half inch thick. Uh, the core third charger that we have provides 10,000 milliamp hours. And so I did a little quick calculation and, and I thought I was calculating things wrong. So I double checked um, to go from milliamp hours to watt hours. You have to know the voltage that you're using. So if you're charging a cell phone via USB, that's a five volt uh, charge. So 10,000 milliamp hours is 10 amp hours times 5 volts makes 50 watt hours. So the WeGo at 41 watt hours actually has a lower capacity than that core third charger that we have that's only 8 ounces. What are you getting with the extra weight of the WeGo? You're not getting more capacity, but you're getting the ability to jumpstart a car. There's no way that we could jumpstart our car using our core third battery. It just doesn't have the components to do it. Uh, but the WeGo is set up so that it can. It can really withstand that huge power draw of up to 400 amps going to the car starter to start the car. The WeGo Battery Charger 44 has about a thousand charging cycles, which is I'm not going to say the number is standard for all charging devices, but all chargers have a lifespan. Even if you buy those rechargeable batteries, you know, the little double A's, they have a lifespan. They can't be charged indefinitely. So you'll get a thousand charging cycles. And then once it's charged up, you have three years of standby power on a single charge. It only loses 2% per month. So you could just charge it up and keep it in your glove box and then have it ready at every single trailhead that you go to and be either able to jumpstart your own car or have the power to jumpstart someone else's car. And WeGo does recommend topping it off at least every six months, even if you've not used it at all during that time. Uh, that helps extend its lifespan. For investment, the WeGo Battery Charger 44 is $150, and they have a 60-day money-back guarantee. For trial, I wanted to see how it does at jumpstarting. And uh, I got to say, it was a little hard to test because it's so smart. Uh, we don't happen to have a dead battery right now in any of our cars. And so when you attach the WeGo to a fully charged battery, that's fine. It lights up green and it's going to provide some assist power to that battery to start the car. But of course, the battery all by itself would start the car too. So that didn't really help me to quote unquote test it a lot. But I did see how easy it was to connect the WeGo to the existing battery in my car and see that it lit up green and told me that I had everything connected correctly. I didn't have to worry about sparking because it doesn't actually send its power until after you've clamped on the cables. So that's kind of nice compared to traditional jumper cables, you know, where you attach that last clamp and you get that spark. 
The next trick I tried is I thought, well, I'll just um, unhook one of my battery cables and then hook the WeGo straight to the cable so it's like I have a dead battery, right? Because it's like having no battery. Well, the WeGo detects that as well, and it detects that you actually have no battery in there or that your battery is so, so dead that it's not going to be able to, um, to jumpstart your car. So that's where I got the red light with the loud noise telling me that it's not going to work. So I'm waiting for the opportunity where someone will leave the lights on in our van again. It's happened many times before. <laughs> and the battery will be killed, but the battery will still be there, but not quite enough to start the car. Then I'll be able to clamp the WeGo on and uh, really put it to use. Yeah, I love that this is a piece of gear that's not only useful on the trail, but off the trail too. And especially if you hit a lot of trailheads, if you love doing day hiking and backpacking, this is an item that you can just stash in your car and it's gonna be just a little bit of peace of mind when you get back to your car. Well, today in our opening, we were talking about planning our dream backpacking trip. We wanted to share a story today with you from one of our listeners, Jeff, who went on a backpacking trip and experienced something so beautiful and so memorable. And it's not something that he planned into his trip. It was just something that he felt directed to. I'll put it that way. And we'd like to thank Jeff for sharing his story with us. This is Jeff. I'd like to share a story with the first 40 Miles podcast. This short story is from a backpacking trip along the Appalachian Trail in November of 2012. A backpacker usually has at least one bad day during a trip, a day when the pain outweighs the views, a day when he or she would rather be elsewhere or anywhere else. Day six was the bad day of this late fall trip. This day's walk was physically easy but mentally difficult. The first four miles were downhill along a winding creek and then a scenic lake. The day's climbs were not especially long or steep. I was simply tired, in some pain, and my map reading skills were suffering. It was a day of many false summits and disappointments. I reached the Punchbowl shelter by the end of the day. Punchbowl is a nice shelter along the Appalachian Trail in southern Virginia. It's located just a few minutes climb from the Blue Ridge Parkway. The three-sided shelter is in the trees and features a nearby pond and stream. It was the perfect place to end a dreadful day. After a few minutes rest, I felt the urge to move on. The Punchbowl shelter had everything I needed. Also, I only had a few more minutes of sunlight for walking. Something was telling me to move onward. Counter to all logic, I lifted my pack and dragged myself up the trail of Punchbowl Mountain. On top of the mountain, I performed the normal camp setup activities, found a flat area among the rocks and fallen branches, pitched a tent, and hung my bear bag. There were a few moments of daylight left, so I turned west. I immediately knew why I was supposed to be on the summit. I had never seen anything like it. A day I wanted to forget culminated in a twilight I would never forget. The sky was pink, violet, purple, blue, and black, and a few colors I couldn't name, and was changing by the moment. The mountain range just west of my campsite was a pale purple. I decided not to try to take a photo of this sky. I knew my phone couldn't capture this sky. There was not any wind in the trees. There wasn't any chatter among the squirrels. No sound. 
the world was completely still. After a good long while, after the sky became black, I crawled into my tent and enjoyed a night warmer than previous nights. I'm grateful that I listened to that whisper, move on. Day six may have been a disaster, but night six was spectacular. And we'll leave you today with a little trail wisdom from the Bible, from Deuteronomy 8-7. It says, For the Lord our God is bringing you into a good country, a land with streams of water, with springs and fountains welling up in the hills and valleys. That's it for today. Thank you for listening. If you've been on a backpacking trip, share your story at thefirst40miles.com slash story. We'll see you next time on The First 40 Miles. start sentences that I can't finish. Uh. <laughs> We're like kids in front of a microphone. <laughs> Hello. Hello. Testing, testing, one, two, three. <laughs> yeah.